So getting CEOs to be able to model feedback and curiosity and understanding that they need to listen to other people's perspectives is a critical, critical skill for leaders to have if they really are interested in building really, really good leadership teams. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today, we're going to take a slightly different approach, go in a different direction, but I think you'll see where we're going and why it's important to our organizations. Uh, my guest in studio today is Jack McGinnis, and today we're going to talk about leadership. And you might be saying, hey, what does leadership have to do with sales and marketing? And uh, it has lots to do with sales and marketing because uh, how you effectively lead your teams, the feedback and the communications you get uh, will have a direct result on how your marketing campaigns, your business grows, and how those tactics are actually executed in the marketplace. So in preparing for this episode, I had a, a little bit of a background on, on Jack. He's had 25 years experience working with leadership teams, and he's worked with uh, organizations both big and small in multiple industries. So after serving as a airborne ranger with the U.S. Army's prestigious 10th Mountain Division, he helped build a successful boutique management consulting firm where he served as the chief operating officer for 13 years. Jack also has served as the CEO of a contract uh, packaging company where he developed a passion for unleashing the leadership capacity of teams through an organization. And back in uh, 2009, Jack uh, joined forces with a West Point classmate to form a relationship impact, a consulting firm focused on working with CEOs to unlock the potential of their leadership teams. He also serves as a senior professional instructor at John Hopkins Carey School of Business, where he teaches courses on strategic management and human capital. He's a contributing writer to the Chief Executive Magazine. He also holds an MBA from the uh, Hagen School of Business and Iona College and a BS in Engineering Management from the United States Military Academy at West Point. So you can see that Jack is both well decorated with his uh, career in the military and uh, also with his uh, leadership training and consulting work that he does. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jack to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast. Well, hey, good morning, Jack. I'm super excited to be talking to you today on the topic of leadership. So welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast. Thanks so much, Doug. I really appreciate you having me. I'm looking forward to the discussion. Well, as our listeners will know, uh, most of the time we focus on uh, marketing tactics and uh, things that move the sales dial from an execution point of view, but you can't help but think that uh, without a good team um, and a good leader at the helm, it doesn't matter what tactics and tools and advertising you have, you're likely to fall flat on your face. So do you want to share just an overview of uh, who you are and what your firm does? Sure, absolutely. We, we our name of our firm is Relationship Impact. Uh, we started about 10 years ago. There's me and a classmate of, of mine from, uh, from college. We both went to West Point and met each other at about 17 and started this firm in uh, 2009 
with the with the sole purpose of working with CEOs to help them build great leadership teams because our point of view and from the experience we had as management consultants and business leaders ourselves um, in running companies or divisions in companies, we we really believed that the executive team, a leadership team of a an organization, particularly growing, you know, young growing organizations is absolutely pivotal to the success and the overall health of the organization. So with that point of view in mind, we said, okay, let's put our experience together, put our put our skills together, and really focus on working with the executive teams of, of uh, growing companies to help them build great leadership teams. Well, that's funny that you mentioned that because I was uh, making some notes in advance of us talking today and I was thinking, you know, what are the what are some of the points that I think would be relevant to our listeners? And one of them specifically was uh, I have my notes here scaling up. Yeah. So a company, a company in growth mode. So you've got a CEO with maybe a small team of two or three or four or five, and then it's starting to ramp up quite quickly. That's right. So what are the challenges that you most often see in that sort of situation where you maybe have a CEO who doesn't have a background in leadership and leading larger teams? Yeah. And so, so the, I see that some of the biggest challenges we see in, um, and, and most of the organizations we're, we're dealing with, frankly, are dealing with scaling up issues. Uh, there's, there's no question about it. And so, so one of one of the challenges, uh, and it's a very natural challenge for for you know particularly young growing companies, is the fast pace at with with which uh, organizations have to operate, and and the and the resource constraints that they have in particularly as they're trying to grow, and so the fast fast pace kind of hinders your ability to step back and say, you know, what do we want this team to look like? How do we want it to operate? Um, I think another thing that, that, that sometimes can get in the way, and it's related to pace, is, you know, we have a strategy in mind. We have an idea of where we want to get to. And what happens in the natural course of growing a business is that we, when we put time aside to dedicate to figuring out what the future needs to look like and how we need to get there, we often spend most of that time talking about the day-to-day operational things because they're so much they're so present in the forefront of your mind and there's yeah there's often fires to put out and that kind of stuff so those are two big issues i think another issue is uh, that is often overlooked but is probably equally important to the verse 2 is that there is oftentimes a lack of skill at being able to seek out, listen to others' perspectives and to hear points of view that may be a little bit different than ours. Yeah, because you start a business, you got a couple partners, probably fairly like-minded in many cases, not all, all the time, but but then you add another person in that has a different perspective, maybe came from a different startup, they came from a different organization, whatever whatever it might be, and they have a different perspective on how the organization uh, should or shouldn't operate. And so the ability to listen and hear other people's perspectives, that, that's really, from our perspective, a pretty important skill in building and growing an organization and particularly running a, a uh, building a great leadership team. So those are a few of the, you know, the, the hindrances that we see in terms of, you know, organizations that are trying to scale up and, and, and building a team as they're doing it. Well, and I guess then you also add in, you know, teams that are diverse. You know, I'm just reading a book now called Driven by Difference. 
Mm. by David Delivermore and it's talking about diverse teams. So not only do you have different points of view based on your previous experience, but you may have different points of view based on your culture or your your age group, whether you're a millennial or you're a boomer, or you're an ex. That's exactly right. You know, I, I, I and very simply put, not enough attention is dedicated to spending some time to talk about those similarities and those differences and how do we actually leverage those versus beat each other up about them. Yeah. Well, what I thought was really interesting in this particular book, it was all focused on innovation. And what it mm-hmm. clearly said is, to your point, that if the teams are, have a high level of understanding of each other, mm-hmm. that they consistently outperform every other team. I, I, w- I would agree with that. You know, people, people view that uh, oftentimes as the soft stuff. And we'll get to that later. <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, hey, look, I, yeah. I get it when you're growing a company and you're working at such a fast pace and you got to put a new application out, a new product, whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to step back and say, you know, well, where did you come from and how do, how do you look at the world and how to, you know, how do you address problems and what motivates you the most? I tell you what, though, if you just take some time, just some reflection on that in terms of getting to know each other, a little bit of a different level of understanding, it really can it really can, you know, be, you know, sort of the the key that unlocks some potential that you didn't even know you had. You know, I'll give you give just a simple example of that, right? You got you got a team of three people. They add a new person that's coming in now to to lead their uh, business development group, right? And he is an aggressive go getter. You know take no prisoners kind of look looking out for the next <laughs> next deal right and then you got you got a bunch of guys that are maybe you know more programmer or, or engineering uh, focused because they built this company based on a product right and 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 then so there's there's those skills had to be you know really in place and the challenge you have is you have two types of styles that don't necessarily mesh with each other right they can mesh yeah. But without some attention played, uh, paid to how they mesh and how we have to adjust our behaviors just a tiny bit. Like, so the new guy that comes in as the business development guy, you're dealing with three engineers that are running the company. You got to slow down just a tiny little bit and let them know where you're going, why you're going after what you're going after, for example. And the engineer guys have to say, hey, look, this guy's doing this so we can grow our business. So we have to, you know, be maybe a little less uh, rigid in terms of asking the 15th question, right? So, so it's just a little bit and spending a little bit of time. There's some great tools out there that help you do that. There's some psychometric instruments, all of them have their benefits, you know, like this or Myers-Briggs or strength finders or whatever they are. But they're, if they're used at with the purpose of how do we leverage our differences and capitalize on our similarities and commit to uh, some specific behaviors that are important for this team at this time in its journey, then, then they can be really valuable. Well, it's, you know, you must be reading over my shoulder because I was writing down PSI and DISC yeah. personality styles yeah. and style shifting. And I went and I took the training to understand how that worked. And I was just totally shocked at how we viewed um, people that had different personality styles. They basically broke us into four groups. And then each person got up to have a, you know, a conversation and say, this is how I view this personality style. I'm going, 
What do you mean I'm I'm arrogant and I don't listen? I'm just yeah, trying to get I'm just trying exactly. to get stuff done. You're just asking, trying to get it done, man. Yeah. You're, you're asking a million questions. Just quit asking questions and go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you're hitting the point, you know, now hammering the nail, right? I mean, it's just it's and 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 taking this t- taking a step back and just you know paying a little bit of attention to that is not soft. It's just important. It's important for building the relational construct for how the team is going to operate together. Well, I mean, I think of Stephen Covey's book, and and I think what you're saying is that what uh, developing leadership is highly important, but it's not urgent. So as entrepreneurs or growing enterprises, we're usually working on the, you know, the highly urgent or putting out the fires and the highly important, and just put this to the back uh, to the back burner until it becomes a problem or somebody comes in as a new CEO and said, hey, we need to deal with this. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's uh you know we we often talk about in kind of sort of our selling process is that it's an unrecognized need. It's often an unrecognized need. So what's the best way that leaders can uh, can focus and and you know set themselves up for success with their team? I, I think there's two things that they need to focus on, and particular you know for young companies, you know it's just making sure you're paying some attention and and devoting some time to these two buckets that I'm about to talk about. The first is uh, what we call the structural foundation or the structural dynamics that that are really critical for building an effective leadership team. And this the second bucket is, uh, you know, piggybacks on the conversation we just had is is uh, about, you know, similarities and differences at the individual level. It's really getting an understanding of and talking about the relational dynamics that are really critical to building an effective team. And there's obviously, and from our perspective, there's a symbiotic relationship between the two of those things. And so let me tell you a little bit what what I mean by structural dynamics. Structural dynamics are things like, you know, what is the purpose of this leadership team in at this juncture in the organization's history? You know, if there's a, you know, if it's scaling up, right? then all of our attention, our focus should be on the metrics around how we scale up, right? That may change 18 months, two years from now, when we're having maybe a different challenge of diversifying our customer base or adding a new product to the mix, right? And so identifying what the purpose is and what our collective purpose as a team, how do we leverage the unique strengths of the the, the three to five to 10 people on the leadership team. Secondly is what are the roles and accountabilities of each person on the leadership team and not just their functional roles, but their, their cross organizational roles. And what are, what are the kids? The one thing that we see that doesn't happen very often is what are the overlaps? What are the integration points between roles? And because if you don't have a discussion about that, what happens down the road sometimes is, you, you wind up tripping over each other, mostly unintentionally, right? And so you got, you know, two lines of business that are out selling, you know, those lines of business hard without a common go-to-market approach. And you'll wind up tripping over each other and calling on the same customers, for example, right? And so, so talking about integration points are really critical. And then there's just basic blocking and tackling things structurally, like, you know, how do you coordinate and communicate? How do you meet? When you meet, when do you, how do you devote time to the strategic stuff versus the operational stuff? Those types of issues. And then related to that is what are some of the norms of, of operating or the operating principles with which you're going to operate from? Are we going to challenge each other, right? Or are we going to let the CEO 
drive all accountability? Are we, you know, when we meet, are, like this is a stupid thing. When we meet, are we going to allow each other to type on our computers and leave the leave the meeting with our, you know, because we got a call? Or, you know, it, those types of things can get in the way. They're se seemingly trivial issues, but if you don't sort of have a little bit of a discussion about how you're going to operate, then things can over time uh, fall into disrepair. And so there's there's a whole set of structural things. And then, and then there's, you know, all the relational dynamics. You know, how do you build a sense of trust across those, the team members? And I'm not just talking about do folks like each other, but do they trust each other's intentions? Do they, do they, are, are they able to be vulnerable with each other and, you know, admit failure, admit mistakes and not be crucified or judged, yep. you know? And so trust is a big thing. And, and, and probably the most important thing we find in most of the leadership teams that we work with is the number one issue is the ability to have productive dialogue, which we define as the ability to challenge, debate, confront each other well, to push the most important issues you're facing forward in a positive way with minimal, you know, relational damage, right? And so, and ultimately those things can help you hold each other accountable. So there's two buckets of stuff and there's a lot packed in there, right? And so all I'm suggesting is that you step back and you talk about both of those buckets and how, you, you know, what, what are your expectations for each other around both of those buckets? Well, how much does the, you know, you're talking about communication and, and kind of setting the boundaries and, and I guess expectations being, uh, being responsible. But, you know, I often have seen, at least in my experience, I can't say that it, it, you know, it happens everywhere, but, you know, as the, as the CEO or the, or the founder, um, you know, you, you kind of hold the gun in the relationship because there's the employer employee relationship. So, you know, how often do you have to work with people to make sure that the dialogue's coming back to the CEO or to the C-level executive? executives is in the best interest of the organization and not somebody just playing politics or somebody that's afraid to say, Hey, I disagree with my boss. I disagree with my marketing manager. I think he's going way off in the wrong track. Well, it, you know, you're exactly right. And it starts with the leader, uh, you know, the formal leader. Right? And, you know, so our, you know, our construct is we, we work primarily with uh, executive or leadership teams and we spend a lot of time with CEOs, presidents up front on a few basic but really important modeling behaviors. First is the ability to receive feedback well and to be challenged well is really important because the first time a CEO responds defensively or angrily or they even, even with body language and sends the signal that, you know what, I really don't want to hear your point of view then or, or maybe they do want to hear their point of view but their message they're sending to their their direct reports is wow i better be careful about how i communicate to my ceo because he's going to shut me down right and so being it be prepared to hear feedback being uh curious when you hear things that are different than your perspective and and curious when you when you receive feedback that's like like you said before like you were you know it, someone said that that work style is arrogant, right? And so you're like, I'm not arrogant. And so you have to ask yourself, and the, the, the best thing to do is be curious in that situation and say, hmm, 
what about me could be arrogant? Why could they think maybe I'm arrogant? You know, so so getting CEOs to be able to model feedback and curiosity and understanding that they need to listen to other people's perspectives is a critical, critical skill for leaders to have if they really are interested in building really, really good leadership teams. Now, do you spend or focus any time on uh, working with the C-level on how to lead up? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we do. We start with the leader, though. We start, you know, we, we start with the CEO because it's really important for them to, to, to model those behaviors. However, they're not perfect, right? No one's perfect. So, you know, you, you, yeah, I'm just thinking in terms of the, you building a team out really deep. I mean, I remember I worked on a large government project uh -huh. and, you know, I thought, hey, you know, I'm working with really senior government guys at a high level. Um, they don't really need me holding their hand and, and keeping them happy. I'm just going to execute with the tasks they've given me. And what I learned was while we executed the task, you know, they they really needed that needed me to lead up. And so that yeah. probably cost cost me future work. And it wasn't until after it was done, I thought, what was the difference between what I was doing and the other? contractors were doing and that was the that was the weak point at least in that uh, relationship for me tell me more about what you mean by that i'm not i'm not sure i understand what you've taught what were you saying well, we were on a large, large team uh, building out a, a very large digital uh, and physical plant for um, three different levels of government. Okay. And each uh, project manager had their team and their task and we reported and we just had this seem like endless meetings yeah. um, to keep things going. I thought, man, when do you guys ever get any work done? I mean, because yeah. I come from a small business, yeah, so yeah. I'm thinking at some point we need to execute. We just can't talk about it. Yeah. And as a result, I didn't spend any time talking to the, the political people. Mm. Mm, um, yeah. that were really the stakeholders and had put yeah, their neck out yeah. to get this thing done because I thought, Hey, you know, you guys are, you guys are smart guys. You're there because you've done, you know, done things right. And you understand the process. So what you don't need is another meeting, me coming in and, and giving you some direct feedback and, and having a conversation with you. So I pretty much just left them alone. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. So do we talk to, you know, mid-level you know, direct reports to CEOs about managing up. A absolutely. It's a critical skill. In fact, I I'm working with a, a pretty large pharmaceutical company right now with their commercial organization. And one of the challenges they have, they have a fairly draconian leader. Uh, the senior vice president of the commercial organization is uh, not a great listener, not didn't, doesn't model any of those behaviors that I, that I talked about before. And, and so you know, the message or the advice that we give to, you know, senior people that are reporting to a person like that is, uh, look, we all have, we all have constraints in the work that we do. And you have choices to make in terms of how you deal with those constraints. So in this situation, your constraint is a very difficult draconian boss who, uh, you know, who is is a yeller who is a micromanager, right? And those are not pleasant things. The way you deal with that is to um, sort of take the high road, right? And and not and you can complain about it or you can move on, right? So yeah. So in this this situation, there was a uh, chief of staff that had sort of has the ear of the commercial SVP, and so the advice to her was, you know, you have his trust, so. You need to be the conduit for the rest of the team to provide him with some feedback that he probably doesn't want to hear, you know, and now she, she can choose not to do that. But then, you know, from our, you know, from our perspective, she's not really doing her job. 
right? So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So it's hard. It's 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 you know, I, there's no perfect situation. In those situations where the leader is the problem, it's really hard. I mean, to be, to be very frank, it's really hard to build a really great leadership team when the leader is the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that makes sense. And oftentimes yeah. they don't even realize it. Yeah. And they and they don't want they don't want you to tell them that either. They they don't. We do, and we've often fired ourselves <laughs> from uh, from jobs because of that. Yeah, been there before. Yeah, especially with the client clients going. Well, you know, I don't appreciate that. It's like, well, that's okay. I don't appreciate the way you deal with your people. So I think we should just do something different. Exactly. Uh, exactly. But not together. Exactly. And it it's uh, and we're at a point in our careers where you know, well, you know, the the other thing here is we can be in the role that we play as team, you know, team coaches, executive team coaches. Is we can do harm if we if we don't monitor how we consult to these organizations so we can set up a team for failure if we feed into the sometimes narcissistic narcissistic mantra of a bad leader so just a, a different uh, direction now we're talking about internal teams so that means i'm assuming teams that are on payroll is that correct uh yeah for sure yeah so what about external teams where you've got uh, partners and, and, and key vendors that are vital to your business? Do you, do you ever dive into those relationships? You know, to be, to be 100% honest, we really don't. Our, our, you know, we, we started this firm with a very, very narrow focus on working with executive teams. You know, I, I, my, my gut would tell me that some of the same principles are probably prevalent in those relationships, but are, are really our focus is on building the effectiveness of leadership teams. Okay. Well, fair enough. So what, uh, is there an example you can give us of a company so you can name them or not name them where, where you had an opportunity to come in and work with their team and they saw, you know, a significant turnaround, whether it was, you know, uh, to the bottom line or culturally with the company? Yeah, sure. So I'm working with a, uh, $25 million construction company that has grown very rapidly. I started working with them about a year, a little over a year ago. And their their biggest challenge is that they were growing so fast and they had a fairly ill-defined leadership team. The CEO, the CFO was sort of doing all the the day-to-day managing of uh, the operations, the warehouse, the project management, all that. And and so when and and so naturally there was a lot of because of lack of clarity, there was there was a good bit of strife among the next level down in terms of who's supposed to be doing what, why is the CEO stepping in? Why is the CFO stepping in sometimes on the same issues, right? And so unintentional dysfunction, I would call it just because they didn't really structure themselves well to be able to scale effectively. And so lots of relationships were damaged because of a lack of structure. And so what we did with them is just, you know, the CEO was, was very an, adamant about wanting to set up the leadership's infrastructure to enable the organization to scale without him being involved in everything. And so we helped him identify and structure his organization so that so he identified some key leaders to run operations, project management, the warehouse, a different geography, right? And so that 
he built a leadership construct or a management team construct where he could hold people accountable to a set of metrics and rather than him having to be involved in every you know every meeting that was going on about the warehouse or about you know a problem in operations or in sales and so that construct has helped them tremendously they were able to uh last year they they had a goal of putting in they bought a, a new warehouse and they by the end of the year it was fully operational they were on a path for it probably not to be operational until the middle of this year because they really had no no plan of attack and how to put it in place so they built a project management construct using their leadership team as if they identified someone as the project manager the key key folks that that contributed to you know were either impacted by or impacted the warehouse were involved in each facet of how it got how it got put in place so that you know when they hit the ground in the beginning of January things were a lot more fluid than they otherwise would have been and so and they're do they all love each other no they all don't necessarily love each other when I go out to beers with each other all the time <laughs> yeah. but they are you know I, you know they are working much more effectively and they're communicating and that that concept of productive dialogue they, they definitely are are uh, there's lots of less lot less defensiveness there's a lot more being able to challenge each other and in a supportive way to be able to put to put the uh, organization in place to scale. Now, do you find that's a that's a common um, a common approach from CEOs with the, with the story you've just shared? I think it's a great story. Yeah, it it is it it is particularly with young growing companies, right? As we talked about, it's an unrecognized need. So, that, you know, I know how to put the team a team together. I've led teams before. I've been on a team. Right, but, but but that's what I mean. I mean, different. this 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 CEO identified that they needed somebody to help them do that, and to me, that sounds unusual. Very that unusual. They would say, "Hey, I don't I don't want to be in every meeting. You know, I I want to build a team." Yeah, it is unusual. It's uh, it usually it's usually uh, when the situation is a lot more dire than this one was. They were still very profitable. Their service was pretty good. They were starting to see some chips in profitability and some. Or, or mostly productivity chips and productivity and chips away at, at service. Uh, they were having some customer complaints and stuff like that. That weren't weren't all their problem. Some some vendor issues as well. But he was smart enough to say, "Hey, look, we need to figure something out here. We can't keep doing the same thing the same way we've been doing it. And I can't keep doing the same way I've been doing stuff." He's a sales guy. He's he built the business based on the backs of his relationships, right? And so he recognized that he needed to have a little bit of a different approach as well and not be involved in everything. Oh, that's, and and, yeah, and so. he's now involved in, in priority th issues. So sure. we meet every Friday afternoon for about an hour. And his, he has quarterly priorities. So he has four priorities that he has that are focused for him. And that everything that he does every week is laser focused on those priorities. And that's really important for CEOs in terms of how they lead their teams. So they're not redirecting their teams like on from one priority to the next without thinking about it. Well, and I would think there's a couple other big benefits that just come to mind. One is that you're not chained to your desk. I mean, lots of times you'll see people that build big companies and and they've built the company around them so it can't operate without them. So as a result, guess where they are yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, you know, 
and that's when, you know, he's got exit in mind, right? Some sort of exit, right? And yeah. so, so when you start thinking about, okay, what kind of legacy do I want to leave behind? What I don't want to squander this, right? And so how, how do I do that? And, you know, I don't want to be here five, 10 years from now and everyone asking me, how, well, how do I do this or what do I do? So he's building the next level down. He's really doing a good job with it. And to be totally frank, I mean, he had already started doing this in his own way before I worked with him. He's a very smart guy. He, he had identified some people that he had, you know, w- was turning to for their advice and counsel. He just, all I did was help them sort of codify it more than anything. Well, and that, you know, the other point that I was, I, I was thinking of and you brought up was uh, was an exit plan. I mean, at some point, uh, we're going to stop doing what we're doing. We're going to want to retire or maybe we're going to just shift. We're going to get into a, a new enterprise, a new venture. And so to your point, it obviously makes the company way more saleable and way more appealing that's, that somebody from outside come in, buy it and see that the company will continue to grow without you being there as a CEO. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's more valuable. Yeah, I mean, we've got a saying that we used to say, are you a, a time teller or a clock builder? Yeah, that's a good one. So, so yeah, I don't want to be a time teller. I want to be a clock builder. So, yeah. so you want to share the, kind of the biggest myth about investing time, money, and resources into uh, leadership and growing your leadership team? The biggest myth. Yeah. The biggest myth is that uh, it's easy and that it's not it's soft stuff and it's not hard work. It's brutally hard work because it really involves adult behavior change. You can't keep doing things the way necessarily you can't keep doing everything the way you've always done it. And that's hard for adults to step back and recognize. And that that is a big deal in terms of building a great team is recognizing that I have to change. And that means every person on the team. Yeah, there you go. Oh, well, actually, I, I, I like change for that exact reason, because uh, people don't. So for me, I, I always see opportunity where, there, where there's people that are resistant to change. Yeah, it's uh, this great book called uh, by Marshall Goldsmith. Have you heard of that? It's a classic called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. No, I haven't. Yeah, it's a great it's a great book on. Um, I give it to every CEO that I work with, because it, it basically just talks about, you know, do you have one of these 20 bad habits that many CEOs have? And if you do, what are you doing about it? Do you, uh, off the top of your head, do you have a couple of those bad habits you can share with us? Oh, yeah. I am have to, re- have to be right at all costs. Um, <laughs> I have to be involved in everything. I get too emotional when I hear things that I don't want to hear. I play favorites to certain folks in the organization, yeah, and on and on and on. Yeah, I can relate. Having been on both sides, I mean, um, I've, I've worked on various teams and, uh, you know, I, I think back and I'm thinking, what was I thinking? Yes. Like, like why, you know, it's, it's not surprising that that didn't work. You know, when you step out of the situation, you look and you go, why didn't that team produce the way it should produce? Right. And, you know, I'd have to look in the mirror and go, you know, well, I can see why yeah. now. Yeah. No, I, I mean... Look, it's easy to give advice. It's easy uh, in some respects, you know, to be a team coach, right? It's hard to do the actual work. <laughs> it's, it, it, re- it really is. I, and I know it. I mean, I've run uh, two companies, so I, I, I know it. Yeah. So uh, what's some of the bad advice that you hear in, in your space? Well, what I see is that, and it's a very natural tendency, is that most 
business people solve team dysfunction problems by focusing on structural solutions only. And so if we are having team dysfunction, you know, folks aren't on the same page, then yep. we solve it by either, you know, on the extreme firing someone, restructuring, changing people's roles, changing how we meet, you know, but, and those are all potentially good ideas, but without addressing what often becomes the root of a problem, the relational dynamics, the, the ability to trust and, and confront each other well and hold each other accountable, then you're sort of not attacking the right problem. Right. Okay. That that makes sense. I mean, that's an, obviously a very deep topic, and I'm sure there's a ton of time we could spend talking just on that one it is. topic. Yeah. There's, there's a there's a there's a lot there. There really is. But yeah, the, don't don't assume that by addressing a problem uh, dysfunction with a structural solution is going to uh, solve the problem. Yeah. Not creating another system or another flowchart isn't going to fix it. If there's like you said, there's no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah. I try that. That doesn't work. Yeah. So what are you most excited about um, as it relates to the work that you're doing in leadership or your business over the next six to 12 months? What I'm most excited about, you know, from my business perspective is that I've done some some pretty cool stuff marketing wise that uh, is beginning to pay off. I, you know, just basic thought leadership stuff using my website, using some social media. And, you know, for the second year in a row, I have, you know, we have a very strong pipeline going into this year. So that's you know, sort of a personal thing that we're excited about. Secondly, I'm just excited about the client base that we're working with right now and the potential to help individuals tap into some potential that they didn't even know they had. Because that's that's the benefit of the work that we do is like, we, you know, when, when, you, when you see the light bulbs go off and say, wow, we can't keep doing this stuff the way we've been doing it. And they start doing stuff differently and it starts working a little bit. That really is really fulfilling. Well, and I think, you know, if you can in your organization obviously can raise up great leaders, uh, look at how many how many people that impacts in terms of their uh, their vendors, their staff, their staff's families, their community, because you're building good leadership. We, we hope so. Yeah, we, 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 believe, we believe that that's the case. For sure. <laughs> well, you're still in business, so you must be doing you must be doing more right things than wrong things. Absolutely. So. We, we, well, you know, to be completely honest with you, and it's probably not a great sales tactic, but it's, it's not a slam dunk that you're going to hire us and you're going to get a, you know, a great leadership team. It requires commitment from everyone on that team. And, you know, we can lead the horse to water, but you can't make them drink all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like saying, Hey, I hired a personal trainer. It's not going to guarantee you. Exactly. 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 Yeah, don't go to the gym. Guess what? You're still going to be out of shape. Great analogy. Great analogy, yeah. So a couple of questions for you as we start to wrap up. Uh, who's one guest you think I absolutely have to have on my podcast? I would say my partner, Gil Brady. He's a, a PhD in leadership. He's one of the, the most thoughtful, innovative people on the topic of leadership that, that I've ever met. I'm fortunate to have him as my partner. And he's a great speaker. <laughs> I think your your audience your audience would love him. Okay. Um, so he'd be he'd be a great great guest. Well, then we'll have to make sure that you hook us up. And I'm happy to give you other ones too. But I, you know, he's the first one that jumped in my head. 
Well, good for you. I mean, that's normally a really tough question. I think that's the question that stumps most people. And I don't know whether it's um, they don't know, or I think more more than likely they don't want to offend anybody. So they're very particular on who they suggest. Yeah, no. Nah, and, you know, there's another, my one of my closest partners, uh, business partners in building our business, helping building our business together is a strategic partner named Mark Stevenson. He's a, he runs a company called Smart HR. It's an outsourced HR firm. And we have like a very symbiotic relationship. He's he's a master seller and marketer. He'd be a great person for you to have him on you as a guest as well. Well, hey, thanks for the bonus guest suggestion. That's great. No problem. So now, Jack, what's the best place for people to reach you? So if they want to connect and learn more about you, your company, the things that you're doing, uh, where would they find you? Best place to get me is on my website. It's at www.relationship-impact.com. And, uh, you know, we believe that over the last couple of years, we've built some great content, uh, webinars, podcasts, blogs, articles about the topic of building great leadership teams. And, you know, so that's where we'd go. And there's a there's a complimentary uh, assessment there that that leaders can take on to kind of take a quick look at uh, how's my team operating from both the structural and relational side of things. Oh, perfect. Well, uh, just uh, listeners, uh, you know, you know that we'll have these notes transcribed. So we'll make sure that uh, Jack's contact information is there. Now, social media, where do you hang out in social media? I heard you say earlier that you're happy with your marketing, your website and your social. So where can people follow you? Yeah, so Facebook, Facebook and LinkedIn, primarily. Those are the two two places we uh, post our content. Well, excellent. I just want to say thanks so much for sharing today. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed the discussion. For me, this is, you know, just a super bonus. I mean, there's a great, there was great information for our listeners to, you know, to think about, like you said, uh, the thing that's highly important in the business and that's uh, developing uh, a good leadership team. And for me, it was just a reminder of why I need to spend more time um, in that area as well. And, and uh, often it gets neglected uh, for various other reasons. Yeah, it's, it's a natural thing. Yeah, I prefer to be out selling and, and doing strategy than I do sitting down and talking to HR and developing um, our team. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. So there you go, listeners. This is another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Like I said, we'll have all the notes transcribed so you can uh, follow up with uh, Jack and take a look at Relationship Impact. So thanks for tuning in. I look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.